It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. This is the Rogie Report News on the Fringe FM. I'm Jess Rogie. A massive asteroid flew past Earth on February 15th. NASA's Center for Near-Earth Object Studies identified the potentially hazardous asteroid that came close to intersecting with our planet's path. The colossal space rock passed over our planet from a distance of about 3.6 million miles and is estimated to have a diameter of around 3,250 feet. Four proposals were chosen to move to the next stage of NASA's discovery program. Of the four teams selected, no more than two will be funded, and the three million that they've just been awarded will be used to develop their mission plan and concepts related to their mission over the course of the next nine months. At the end, each will present NASA with a study report and see which one makes the cut. Veritas, which would focus on mapping the surface of Venus and gather data about how and why this planet developed so differently from Earth. Da Vinci, it would also go looking into Venus, but instead of focusing on the planet itself, it would focus on the gases surrounding the planet. One highlight of the potential mission would be sending a probe deep into Venus's atmosphere. Its goals are to see how Venus's atmosphere evolved and whether or not it had an ocean. Ivo, which would visit Io, the moon of Jupiter, and the most volcanic body in the solar system, Trident. Trident would visit Triton, one of Neptune's moons. The flyby mission would map the moon's surface and would look for clues to whether the moon had a subsurface ocean. The final decision on which four of the newest projects will become fully funded is expected within the next year. 
the United States Navy funded scientists to create cybernetic locusts in an attempt to use their ability to sense a wide range of chemicals, including explosives. The insects have been used to detect gases released by ammonium nitrate, which is commonly used for explosives. Individual locusts were able to successfully sniff out incendiary material, but the results improved when scientists compiled the data from seven or more locusts, where the detection capability was distributed across a mini swarm. The researchers from Washington University in St. Louis declined to comment. However, their paper described that they transformed the bugs into would-be bomb detectors by implanting electrodes into the insects' brains. Dean Harrison from Australian's Yahweh Research has been studying the creatures for over 20 years, and he's claimed to have several encounters with the creatures on Queensland's Gold Coast. He said there's been a change in behavior as brushfires force Yahweh's further inland. Harrison claims there's an average of 10 sightings a week on the Gold Coast. This is the Rogie Report News on the Fringe FM. I'm Jess Rogie. from a shack on a hill in the Mossy Creek bottoms of Cane Creek, Arkansas. Once again, this is Lighting the Void, and I am your host, Joe Roop. Welcome. It's Monday night, February the 17th, on into the 18th, and we can definitely say that magic is most certainly on the rise. The occult sciences have never been more practiced and studied in recent history that I'm aware of, and I'm basing that on my observations and the observations of others as well. And yes, the cat is out of the bag. I myself study and practice on a daily basis. But chaos magic is the most modern form of magical practice and known for making sigil magic pretty popular. So it's been a year, but author and podcast host and speaker Gordon White is with us tonight. And uh, like I said, it's been a year since we spoke. But as you all know, if we need a deeper look into magic, 
right? And what's going on and how it's affecting our lives, society, the zeitgeist. Who better to speak with than Gordon White? So that's coming up. Also want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors at GetTheTea.com, AncientLifeOil.com, and also Metaphorical Archaeology. If you've had a paranormal experience that's caused you some type of trauma, please give Barbara a call there at 214-995-3754. And also, um, I think one of our listeners went and got something off the uh, the friends.fm forward slash optics. Now, that place has got a lot of stuff. I mean, it's high-end stuff. They've got night vision goggles. They've got uh, probably every uh, telescope known to man, every site you can sight with. Everything you need for survival, camping. I mean, it's a mega store for that stuff. So if you happen to go there, just click on the banner on the website or go to the friends.fm forward slash optics and uh, we'll get a little bit back from that. And let us know, man. Send us a picture. Send me the picture of your stuff. We sold a bunch more t shirts and I got no pictures and I want to add to the board. So you guys, let me see you. Also, head over to ufoseekers.com, backed and supported by the Fringe FM and Lighting the Void if you want to keep a real journalistic approach to what's going on. I mean, I don't know if Bob Woodward would agree, but who cares, right? They're just trying to do their thing at UFO Seekers. Also, their videos and investigations are the best on the planet. YouTube.com forward slash UFO Seekers. Um, so, Gordon's here with us, and if you don't know who Gordon White is, well... I guess I'm going to have to introduce you, but I'm sure most of you do. But if you don't, he first became interested in Western occultism at the age of 13, following a series of intense dream experiences. And this interest became a lifelong pursuit. His esoteric leanings found him an inspirational overlap with his exploration of the Pacific following the publication of Graham Hancock's classic fingerprints of the gods. And this led him to study documentary production at a university level uh, film. And he filmed an underwater documentary about Nan Madal and then he went on to work for a BBC magazines, Discovery Channel, and news media companies in both hemispheres. And after moving to London, he held senior data and analytics positions in global media companies, as well as starting a chaos magic blog and podcast called Rune Soup, which ultimately led to the publication of his first three books, The Chaos Protocols, Starships, A Prehistory of the Spirits, and Pieces of Eight. Now, over the course of this journey, he had the privilege of speaking to some of the world's leading authorities in Assyriology, religious studies, genetic research, hermeticism, psi research, the history of Western magic and ufology, and the overriding mission of his work is an attempt to cohere an evidence-based Western magical worldview that combines history, paranormal research, and the best available scientific research in ufology. The website's runesoup.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Gordon underscore White. Gordon, man, it's good to have you back on the program again. It really is. It's good to be back, Joe. You know you're in for a good discussion when you hear Terrence McKenna in the intro music, so this will be fun. Yeah, Terrence is still, I can still listen to him talk for hours. You know, I really can. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Some, same, same Something here. about him relaxes you, right? Like his intel, the way he speaks, the way he articulates things, and that slow kind of dragged out, uh, intensified voice he has. I don't know, man. He's no, perfect. Definitely. That's uh, well. He and and Dennis says the same thing. He had that kind of Irish bardic quality. So it's not just what he says. It was in many respects mostly how he said it. Because you know he said a lot of things. He said a lot of pretty out there things. Some of it's amazing. Some of it, I think, he was just weaving his Terence magic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely for sure. And I'm. I'm a big fan of his and the I Ching, and I'm a big fan of yours too. Honestly, ever since I signed up to uh, 
your courses at your website, it's the one thing like, you know, living the podcast life, I, you know how it is when you start, right? You're always going to say, okay, what can I pay for and what I can't pay for this month? But you know what? Yeah. I always make sure that I pay for that because I don't want to miss no, out. Well, that's great. That's really good to hear. And and I know exactly what you mean. It's it's so weird. I mean, it's uh, it builds up because you get all excited and I have to keep looking at my Patreon and going, okay, I'm still into all of these. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> right yeah exactly and uh by the way someone just entered our chat room i imagine uh for the first time welcome raiseth of the morning wood glad to have you <laughs> glad to have you in the chat room if you want to go to the chat go to the fringe.fm forward slash chat there's no, nothing wrong with old locker room humor right that's got to be one of yours oh, can't be one of mine i've never seen him before gordon is that one of yours well the, the um the name doesn't ring a bell it's it's a good pun as you say but uh <laughs> the name doesn't ring a bell you know, I got to ask you, man, like you're the guy to ask this there. I don't think I can't think of anybody better to ask this question, but it, understanding magic and how we, uh, how we manifest things. And, you know, we don't have to get into the law of attraction nonsense, but do you believe like right now with all this stuff going on that we're perpetuating bad things in society based on our fears in a, in a magical sense, possibly? Yeah, I would I would even drop the possibly off that. Um, so it is the kind of the uh, the alarming implication of the sort of flip side of what we might call new thought, right? Which is the the broad idea, which you will find essentially everywhere. Uh, we associate it most with new thought, but it's this idea that your thoughts are somehow causative or are in some way causative. Maybe not entirely. Who knows what's going on? Uh, and and they. The scary implications of that, like that's really good if you go, okay, well, I'm going to get it's it's like a better way of saying I'm going to get my head in the game. And um, if I if I focus on the optimism and positivity and opportunity, even when things are challenging, being in that space makes uh, it more likely that, you know, things are going to go my way more often. The other side of that is when you do get in that um, into a darker spiral of this is, you know, the worst of all timelines or what have you, unavoidably that has to be also causative or, or in some way predictive, not just on a personal basis, but culturally speaking. It's an, it's an, I think the argument for, and I do this in my newsletter, the argument for utopianism is unavoidable because, I mean, I don't know what everyone else did at college, but I did at, at university level, we studied things like, because I did a film degree, utopia and dystopia and all that kind of classic um, English stuff, right? Uh and the, the common critique of utopianism is like, well, the whole point of it is that it can't happen. And in fact, a true and full utopia is itself a dystopia. That's the whole point of the genre. And that's true. Um, but the good news is it can't happen. So you might as well point in that direction, uh, regardless of what's going on. Because if you get closer towards it, it's better than being closer towards, you know, um, a Mad Max future or something. Yeah, that would be scary, right? Which I do feel like if I, if all of the conspiracy theorists are right... We're, we're headed there, right? Like Mad Max, Fallout, you know, that kind of thing. That's, that's well, I mean, if you listen to it about the 5G stuff, they make some pretty good arguments, by the way. Um, you know, 5G, oh, look, 5, 5G is alarming. 5, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 5G in particular, that is that is stuff you, um, again, talking about the, the, the premium member area of the website, it was last year or the year before we did a sort of special piece on 5G, and I kind of said, from particularly if you have kids, you are in a ray gun fight for the rest of your life. Um, we don't get to stop 5G or anything that, you know, 
too much of the future economy, as far as people are concerned, I'd argue the toss, but it doesn't matter, is contingent on this sort of quote-unquote Internet of Things, which is the most overused and overplayed term. But it means it's going to happen, and local officials and state officials and everyone are going to get bribed to make sure it does, which means it falls to you to be in a ray gun fight, to be like, okay, well, what sort of mitigation opportunities do I have for my home and when I travel and where are my kids going to school? And that is just a reality we have not just 5g but the entire kind of artificial em environment it falls to you as either even if you don't have kids right but like it falls to you as a parent or what have you your parental responsibilities now include a ray gun fight let's put it like that yeah not to mention the gas mask and whatever else you got to wear when you go outside that's what i'm feeling like it's it's this is going to happen at least i could say at least the media combined with the conspiracy group is making me feel that way now i'm not i'm not looking at it and saying well it's all bs of course i'm not looking at it that way but when you really look at the facts there's so much compelling stuff there that if you do a bit of research and don't just look at snopes or something there's enough there to make (laughs) the average person worry a little bit for real you know that's the problem 5g in particular it's it's a microwave like it is it it, would you stand in front of a microwave forever Um, And that's essentially what we're being asked to do. And it's why it needs all those little towers rather than the um, spread apart towers you already have. Uh, They need to be, they need line of sight. They need to be close to domestic dwellings. So we're essentially being put in a permanent microwave so that our fridge can remind us that we need to buy milk from Amazon. I mean, it's it's not great. Those That stuff isn't good. Uh, the gas mask thing I'm less concerned about. I don't think we end up in full um, Mad Max. I think it's more... <laughs> I think I think the actual risks in in someone's life in the medium term are there's almost an advantage to being conspiratorially inclined because mm-hmm. we know that uh, we know things that other people aren't allowed to consider true which is the impact of EM and so on and you don't even need to go to the sort of more lurid um Alex Jones level of people being rounded up into th- uh, FEMA camps. The, the stuff that's going to kill you is the is the poor quality food in the EM environment before any of those less likely scenarios eventuate. And you're not allowed to know that. Uh, officially, um, genetically modified food is fine. Officially, the, the artificial EM spectrum is completely safe. And this is simply incorrect. <laughs> right. So, I mean, why are we, like the facts that you're talking about, the one guy had me look up from the Liberty Beacon Project was like, why... Why is Monsanto, you know, developing a patent on a seed that grows in aluminum? You know, that why would they do that? Come on now. Exactly. That should be obvious enough for people to go, something's going on here. So uh, I tell my audience a lot, but I would rather you tell me the truth about this. But I believe this, that things have gone out of control as far as, you know, politically goes, the corporate structure, trade, what's going on behind the scenes that we don't see, that I feel like we almost have to study this on a magical level so to speak i feel like this is the only way we can fight these things and you talked to me about this before a long time ago yeah i i think that's true i think and uh, we we're going to use the word magic but by the same token if people are maybe more spiritually inclined you can still say the same thing and consider it spiritual warfare or what have you but i don't think you have a good i think spiritual people or magical people have an advantage in in being able to realize that um non-human forces or i I want to say non-physical but that's not quite right in the way i understand magic but for uh, non-human forces can operate in 
in the sphere of our observations, including humans, without the people being involved knowing. And that's where a lot of the crummier conspiracy stuff falls down, where it's like, well, they're all worshipping some demon. Uh, and it's not necessarily. Like, if, if you know demons, um, they might actually think they're doing the best things in the world and they're still being worn like a finger on a glove by this thing. So <laughs> you have the opportunity to... Um, you have the opportunity to have a wider and deeper sort of like risk assessment um, than if you if you don't. And and I think some of the conspiracy stuff where it's like, well, they're all um, there is a democratic uh, Democrat cartel worshiping a bunch of demons. I'm like, well, uh, maybe, um, but you actually don't need to posit something that has no evidence um, to allow for the the sort of ingress of the demonic into into politics and how power works so that's that's a real advantage i think to a spiritual or magical worldview that you can kind of it's it's almost like out crazying people because you it's supposed to be respectable to say to kind of keep your explanations or your understandings purely materialist but materialism is wrong so it's like well these there are entities that exist in the cosmos that are hostile to mankind um and are around. <laughs> yeah. We've known that. We've known that in every culture, um, in all times, everywhere, every when, except for now, we're not supposed to think that's true or, or that there's some reality behind that. And there is. So it, that's the opportunity, I think, to kind of come back and realize that the context of politics is situated in a, in a, in a wider philosophical or metaphysical context. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And, but you know, what you brought up earlier is a good point because I got your book, Chaos Protocols, and I was uh, talking to a friend of mine about it. You know, the conspiracy group, I guess I would say the beginners, they get so intrigued about um, how far does the occult go into the deep state and these kinds of things and how mm-hmm. evil it is. And and I said, well, you know, I mean, we're not in the old ages anymore. I got a book right here that can tell you how to invoke Lucifer if you want. Just kind of joking, right? You know? and. Yeah because I knew that they didn't really understand it. I was going to kind of explain everything, but no, they were like, Oh really? What is it? And I'm like, well, it's Gordon Weiss chaos protocols, but you have to understand Lucifer's understood on a much broader principle than I would say that, that you may be looking at it and before I could explain things. They went and got the book and I promise you a week later, they started having weird, crazy stuff happen in their house, in their house. And I didn't believe them. I thought that they were, you know, just, pulling my leg or whatever until i they they invited me on cast to watch stuff go on in their house and they really did have tons of poltergeist activity going on the the lights were blacking out things were moving in front of the camera i could hear footsteps and i I finally asked him i said when you did this uh thing in the book which i know you did so don't tell me you didn't did you finish it did you do it properly they're like well no i started it but then i got afraid and i kind of quit and i'm like you're kidding me right did right. they also do it in the house rather than the crossroads? Right. They well, that's exactly what Dude. happened. I said, <laughs> I said, did you did you go down the road? Did you find the crossroads? Well, there's kind of a crossroads in my living room. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me, right? That is, that, and they have voided the warranty on my book. <laughs> yeah. So I was watching this thing go down, and really. Like they were locking themselves in their room and putting the laptop out in the living room where I was here in the studio watching. Like, okay, I'll just keep an eye on it, I guess. And sure enough, the lights went out and blackness came over the screen and moved and there was stuff falling and footsteps. And I was like, okay, now you're going to have to figure out how to get that stuff out of there. And at that point, I couldn't really help them anymore. And so I think it's funny, like 
this a psychology of we still have that I'm intrigued by it, but I'm afraid of it. I mean, I kind of want to mess with it, but I don't. And then when I do, I don't really do what I'm told. You see what I mean? Well, so that's the bit. The bit at the end is the, is the challenging bit because it's funny. I, I when if in the rare occasions I meet people who are usually because they've had a, a really damaging um, relationship to Christianity, and I say that deliberately. It's, I'm not um, shitting on Christianity, but a lot of people are raised in a thing that they think is Christianity and is just essentially child abuse, right? It's a mess, and and a lot of people f- grow out of that and into the conspiracy world, and when you meet them who are like, oh, you shouldn't be messing around with magic, I, I generally agree. Like, no, you definitely should not be messing around with it because it's real. So take it seriously or get another hobby, um, I think is uh, <laughs> is good advice. And that's, that's a fun, that's a, I like that. I like that anecdote. Um, if they're still having problems, you can go to any botanica nearby. And the good thing about magic is for whatever reason, humans are really, really powerful when it comes to cleansing and protecting their own space. So whatever they've messed up, Honestly, an off-the-shelf house clearing kit from a botanica or an online botanica, and they're um, they're good to go and and let them not do a rite that explicitly says go to a crossroads in their go living room. Away again. from the house, it had very specific <laughs> instructions. I remember, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, it, it was cool to to learn this stuff. And from you know, I don't I read about it and I study it, and then usually uh, it's kind of funny because I'm not a chaos magician, but I kind of do things because I'm a student of yours in that sort of way where I will pull things out of there that I know my subconscious can handle at the time and other things that I'm, yeah. I know I'm not psychologically ready for yet. If that makes sense. No, totally. Well, it, also in Chaos Protocols, there's a whole chapter on becoming invincible. And whilst your friends may not have got quite there, the incident of triggering poltergeist effects in their house just by saying a few words they found in a book is enough to kind of go, well, hang on. It's enough to properly question your own reality. So it's beginning, even if they end up not doing magic ever again in their lives, and, you know, that would be to some extent understandable, um, they won't ever think it's not real. And and that's a really important first step for people moving into the world of, into what I would say a more accurate way of being in the universe, right, is to understand that however you want to describe it, the whole thing is in some sense alive or is in some sense magic, or maybe it's it's all in some sense God, however you want to, however you want to go right. at it. And, um, and, and magic's real good for giving you events that may not be pleasant, and that's a good example, but you will never, <laughs> you you'll, yeah. you'll never not. We'll never second guess it going, did I imagine that? You did not. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I've had my own experiences with that too, as I'm sure we all have that have went down this road, but you know, but I think I get a little bit concerned and maybe overly concerned sometimes Gordon with things that where we're doing things unaware, right? So Joe Dispenza wrote this sure. book about broadcasting uh, attraction. And that was like, comes back to the first question I asked you about, are we perpetuating certain things? Because as I understand, like, ritual and how Crowley describes it and the energies of it, you know, when you focus your mind on something, you you first learn to focus, and then you first learn the art of using the emotions and acting and triggering the subconscious, so to speak. Well, I mean, that's kind of what our news media is doing in a lot of ways when they trigger our subconscious to be afraid of something like, I don't know, a virus, right? Um, not yeah, saying that absolutely. we shouldn't be on a practical level, but it doesn't help when everybody's broadcasting fear with a focused thought. And I worry about that sometimes, you know? No, absolutely. I'm, 
I would dial down the worry. Um, you, I think you've I'm making accurately it worse, characterized right? what's. Yeah. Well, yeah, but also you can't do anything about it, right? So what you, what you're saying is, I mean, true is a problematic term, but you're broadly correct that um, the the fear that is imposed upon us through the media has a kind of impact in the in the wider cosmos or whatever, right? You can't. You can only change that for you, Joe, right? Like you can be like, well, I'm only going to consume uh, content that is enriching or or is is uplifting, and then I'm going to restrict myself. And having a weekly geopolitical newsletter has been good for me for this, so that I'm like, okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get the bad news like for maybe 90 minutes a week, like on a Friday morning or whatever, uh, because it's it's pervasive, particularly for the US, because um, I, I travel there for work. You guys are in a soup of engineered terror like no other country is. Right. So it's almost like a different ray gun fight. And I feel really, I said that, speaking of soup, I said that when I came back. I'm like, I just want you all to come over to my house and sit down on the couch while I make you some soup because it's before you go back into America because it's, it's um, <laughs> fear and and yeah. terror everywhere as, as a... And it's fake's the wrong word, because the feeling is real. But it's it's really weird not being American and going in there and going, "What the hell is the um, is this the richest country with the largest military actually afraid of? <laughs> what is right. going on? Turns out everything. Turns out everything. Weaponized crows, a, a virus in China, and I'm like, China, you live in Nebraska. What's happening? And yeah. and, and that. Um, and but that's all down to you. Like whatever terror is beaming around you guys, it'd be like, I actually, I'm saying no to this. I'm gonna get like a daily meditation practice, or and or a daily prayer practice, and I'm just gonna stick to the stuff that is enriching, and I'm not gonna let my amygdala be permanently damaged because it's it's useful for controlled media. Yeah, fair enough. I get what you're saying. Yeah, like. Do what you can do about it and stop worrying about everybody else because it's not, it's kind of like wasted energy almost if you think about it, right? It's we don't absolute, want that. It is wasted energy. And the other thing is, and this is, I keep coming back to this in my newsletter. The other thing is, it's the only way it's going to work is if we all do that. There's, there's literally no way of consciousness raising horizontally and saying to everyone, hey, everyone, we're being um, constantly showered with engineered terror. What are we all going to do? Rise up and and seize MSNBC and Fox and whatever. That's literally. And even if we did, we would be the people imposing some kind of um, whatever it is we're scared of on the population. Like it's funny. Like actually, if you are if you want to help people, the only way to do it is to kind of um, pop yourself out of the top of the system rather than try to get everyone else at the one time. And I, it's the same for everything. I think that's how. And it's weird, like you find that in spiritual traditions around the world. You find that in um, the Talmud. You find that in in Taoism. You find the idea that if you want to change the world, you start with you, and and that's basically the only way the world has ever changed. And it's it's funny because the trick is you want it to be the opposite. You think no, this is too urgent. We must all get together. Um, but I, you, you struggle in history to find instances where that's been successful. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I believe you're right, sir. 
That is very good. Very good advice from Gordon White. RuneSoup.com is the website. We'll be right back right after this. Triple Seven, and you are listening to the Fringe FM. All right, everyone. This is Justin from the UK. Excuse the chitty chitty. If you're into the Fringe and you want to hear the brass tacks, me old China plate, Joe Roop, and his guests on Light in the Void will open your mince pies. You need to shut your northern self and use your 10 speed gears and listen to them bubble. You could hear a Barry Crocker, no Brussels, but he ain't no holy fryer. Anyway, you be the Barnaby Rudge and take a butcher's. The Fringe FM isn't just a radio station. We also provide services for all your audio production needs. If you are interested in live radio or pre-recorded podcasts, we're here to help. We even do audio enhancements and voiceovers if needed. If you want to do a podcast or live radio show and even want the option to syndicate on terrestrial radio from simple audio file enhancement to live production and call screening, we have you covered. We have worked with some of the best professionals in the business in order to provide coaching instruction for content creation, show structure, and more. Contact the Fringe Digital Media for more at info at thefringe.fm. That's info at thefringe.fm. Or call 501-777-5631 for a consultation. Listen, I want to tell you about G.I. Joy from GetTheTea.com. It's the best alchemical concoction of goodies for your stomach and digestive system I can recommend, and that's all based on my experience. Packed with colostrum, acidophilus, aloe, peppermint, and turmeric. If you do your own research, then you know this is the bee's knees for the stomach and digestion. Now, due to Big Brother's ears and the eye in the sky, you know I can't go into the details about what it helped me with. All I can say is, I got relief. It's non-GMO, no fillers, no preservatives, manufactured right here in the U.S. of A., and delivered to you by the only people who stay on top of the game and are out in front. Go grab a bottle of G.I. Joy at GetTheTea.com and see what all the fuss is about. Again, that's GetTheTea.com. Hey, this check is wrong. I worked a holiday and seven hours of overtime. Not getting paid correctly is a real pain. It could also hurt our boss if our company provides out-of-compliance checks. That's right. Construction companies doing business with the government can get fined, or officials of the companies can go to jail if the checks aren't right. It's a law. The Davis-Bacon Act has 30 compliance issues for every check, but there is an easy way for construction companies to be in compliance. EMARS offers Compliant Client, a web-based system that finds and corrects all 30 of the possible out-of-compliance check issues. Users of Compliant Client report an 80% savings in time and money. Running a weekly payroll usually takes about five minutes. All 15,000-plus clients of EMARS have never had a legal compliance issue. Plus, they sleep better on check day. Contact EMARS at emarsinc.com or call 480-595-0466. You're listening to Lighting the Void Radio with Joseph Roop. Stay up to date right now, lightingthevoid.com. 
Hey, French listeners, this is Dave Cruz, host of Beyond the Strange Radio, asking you to join us live Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Fringe FM. Visit beyondstrange.com for links to chat, social media, and schedules of the show. And remember, always stay strange. Hasta. In your face, all over the place. We're online. 24-7. 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. Gord White's our guest tonight, tomorrow night, uh, director, filmmaker, actually, Lance Munguia is going to be here, and Wednesday night, student of Dr. Stilianus Ateslis, and better known as Doskalos, uh, Daniel Joseph will be here, he's going to be back with us, because uh, we had to reschedule, but tonight, Gordon White is back, and uh, yeah, there's probably a ton of questions in the chat room, I haven't even looked in the chat room yet, because I got my own questions I want to go over first, and I got to ask you, man, like, I know you... Are, are big into astrology but before we get into like the energies of what's happening um from a chaos magic point of view from your standpoint is astrology being used properly as you see it? it's huge on youtube now like everybody's got a freaking astrology oh, yeah. channel now you know and they're and they're killing yeah, yeah, yeah. it they are they're doing great but what's accurate here what do we need to pay attention to um well Astrology is having a moment, right? So the weird thing is, um, I like astrology because I like cycle models, uh, and and which is essentially a, a a version of understanding time and history that we declared wrong about the nineteenth century and in, in the beginning of the sort of industrializing, industrializing, modernizing. Look at us; we can explain everything and and continue to grow in in knowledge and prosperity in this in this line in a linear process. And nothing else in reality operates that way, right? Like literally nothing else, right down to a subatomic no- level. So, it's just likely that we're wrong. And and cycle models are coming back in um, meteorology and they're coming back in economics and so on. Now that we have the computing power to realize that it's there in ocean temperatures and markets and and, and so on. So astrology is basically the story of, and if we're talking about Western astrology, it's the story of us understanding that cycles are somehow real um, back in time, even if we wouldn't describe it that way. And so I, I like astrology and I like the story of astrology at the same time, which is moving through history and understanding or attempting to understand our place in the universe and our relationship to other things and so on. Now, as for why it's popular now, um, this is why I mentioned why I like cycle models in general. One of my favorite kind of models for how history progresses in a big sense is the ones that um, Charles Fort, where we get words like the 14 times from or 14 phenomena came up with in the early 20th century, which are called dominance. Um, And they're sort of eras where things are true. Right. And so we have he saw and is brilliant for seeing this in the early 20th century that we were moving out of, not into the dominant of science. And this is before 
um, quantum theory and the nuclear bomb and all the rest of it. But he saw the edges of it and how he understood dominance and them being different to, say, um, paradigm shifts that you got from the structure of scientific revolutions by Thomas Kuhn in the 50s. So like decades after Fort. Fort got there first and did it better. Was um, Fort said that things are actually the the boundaries of what are allowed to be true are policed. And actually the things that are inside it are true. So like reality kind of updates and we were moving or are in the dominant of wider inclusions or sometimes called the dominant of witchcraft. And that's because as science progressed, it started to hit things that weren't allowed to exist inside its dominant and UFO phenomena. You just mentioned Lance Munguia, right? So remote mm-hmm. viewing and telepathy and all these things aren't allowed to exist in in the dominant of science. And so it keeps hitting all these things or these 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 facts, what Fort would call damned facts, were essentially thrown over the metaphoric wall into the dominant of science until it collapses. And we have the dominant of wider inclusions. So in a hallmark of the dominant of wider inclusions is all of this stuff. It's the rise of magic and the promulgation of remote viewing and all the kind of like unusual things that weren't allowed to be true that now are and are also simultaneously true so you can find amazonian shamans uh, in manhattan and and all that kind of stuff right so that's the model i like of history it doesn't mean it's a model it's a way of understanding it rather than i think something that's in reality i guess um, and so astrology is one of those things that happens now and it's more than that inside a, a kind of capitalist system it's a bubble it's having its moment oh, a few yeah. years ago straight out straight up Straight after the election of Trump, the bubble was witchcraft. Uh, And whilst that's still sort of pervasive and you've got a lot of witch shows on Netflix and so on, the bubble at the moment is astrology and it's coming to the end. And I think tarot is one that comes afterwards. But you're right. Like, if you think there's a lot of astrologers on TikTok, on on, um, YouTube, YouTube, go into TikTok and see what, and see what the, like the sub 20 year olds uh, are doing. And it's, yeah, it's, it's astrology and tarot and there's thousands of them. And that's just what's happening. As for like what you need, as as for what you need to watch, or if you're interested in astrology, I mean, a very good friend of mine, Austin Kopic, I think is probably the best publicly practicing astrologer um, in the West. Uh, And there's also a monthly um, show, um, well, the astrology podcast. Um, He's on that as well. It's actually more than monthly, but those are the places to begin. Uh, But it's just, it's a bubble. So there's a lot of low quality information out there. And also if you look at their numbers, there's a lot of people in astrology that, well, not even in astrology, there are a lot of people who are interested in astrology who will subscribe to a YouTube channel, but that's about it. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's an indication of a bubble. So it it actually looks bigger than it is because people are very, people are interested enough in astrology to get free content like a a monthly horoscope, but aren't interested in it enough to go, okay, well, I'm going to do my, sort of traditional astrology, whole sign natal chart, and I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to work out how to do that, and I'm going to do synastry with everyone in my family to see where, if I've got a new way of understanding our tensions and our connections and, and like really getting astrology to do the things it's good at. Um, far fewer people <laughs> are doing that than are just kind of like generally interested in it. I understand what you're saying, yeah, because that's what I want to figure out. Um, but you're right. Like I get on, I just get on YouTube. I haven't even checked out TikTok, and it's almost like I'm watching the stock market back in the day. You know, the heyday of day trading. I mean, people are really, oh yeah, totally, like getting serious. So they have serious discussions. They get into all the semantics of everything, and they, like they take it seriously. And it's all over. Even like I don't know the Leo King or whatever. I'm just talking about some more of like pop culture ones. They're more popish, right? And 
but they are really passionate about it. And I looked into this too, and I started noticing, not just with astrology, but tarot as well, that some of the same people that have the same signs as me were going through some of the same things, but the energies played out in different ways in their life. It was either through people or job or whatever, but the energies were still there. And it did make me wonder, like, are we really going through this astro alchemy thing that they talk about? Is there really a complex system permeating stories that it's almost like quantum computing? It seems that way to me, but of course I tend to overanalyze, you know? Well, so it's, it's a question of how you stack that, right? And it's and that's a question of preference. So why I started by saying blended cycle model is 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 astrology a a a partially or a permanently partial description of a reality that operates in in I mean we just use the word energy which I have a problem with but you know what I mean like in sure. cycles and energy is is astrology a partially correct and sometimes useful description of a living universe that, like a breathing organism, will go through different cycles, and so that and and it's it's that kind of momentum or movement that almost like organizes things like a magnet might organize nail filings, or is like astrology real? Um, and I don't think it is. Um, I don't think astrology is real in the sense that it is an accurate description of of how our universe is constituted okay. but i think it's more interesting it's more interesting to me that it is a um it is a language and an improving language because what it has that's that's really really useful and it predates science and, and empiricism to do this is that it has a self-correcting or self-improving mechanism which is as more astrologers do things and it, it might be a particular um it might be a, 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 a Saturn opposition that is associated with, or previously was associated with a plague showing up and eating all the crops somewhere in Babylon, right? Uh -huh. um, when that configure when that configuration comes back round, um, they can note because they have the historical record to see if it happens again. So astrology, having practicing traditional astrologers out there is quite good. And this is what happens when we find new planets and incorporate them into the systems. People get to go back through history and go, well, what happened? Because Uranus was only found a couple of centuries ago and really only included in astrology from modern era so maybe for only about 100 or so years but if you wanted to include um, uranus you go back through history and kind of look at what it was doing and then looking at history and you kind of, you can build up a personality of what oh, what configuration or, or what things are associated with uranus when when it's doing a thing right um and so i think astrology is is a language of meaning and time and this i have this thing i joke that astrology is 100% accurate um and within it it contains a above chance prediction mechanism and it sounds wordy but what i mean is and i think it's the other reason why astrology is so popular at the moment it is a language for understanding meaning and connection and relation not just between other people but you and the world and you and your hopes and fears and and you and what's going on in society and in and, and a language is 100 percent accurate because it's a language like it's not a thing that you can it it's it's not a thing that gets described as correct or incorrect it's a language right sure and inside this language of meaning um, and it's funny, like astrology would be entirely valid and, and appropriate and exciting uh, 
even if it didn't have a this above chance prediction mechanism inside it, which is the use of it to like horary astrology or, or whatever to kind of say, okay, well, I think this year you're gonna you need to watch out for um, health issues, particularly to do with the belly in the second half of the year and what have you. It might have, even if it didn't have them, it's a, it's a way of organizing uh, meaning and cycle and opportunity and, and what have you and, and speaking, thinking about it. And I think that's why, because it is so rejected by officialdom, I think it's not, astrology is having a moment and it's also having a moment amongst like um, LGBTQ and youth and, and, and people who are already sort of not at the center of a cultural conversation. And so astrology is kind of landed or flourished there because it's almost an act of, defiance to start talking about the universe because you can talk about anything from an astrological perspective to, to start talking about the universe and each other and our challenges and what have you from an astrological perspective is a kind of active defiance against the terror beamed down on us from mainstream like media rebellion, and, right yeah yeah and i and i think I, I know some people are consciously doing that. There's a lot of like queer astrology that's doing that consciously. But I think a lot of it is unconscious. I think people situate themselves in a language that by its very existence is not supposed to be. And there's a there's a sense of empowerment in that. That's the kind of thing that happens with this, you know, quote unquote dominant of witchcraft. Okay. So then does that mean that maybe perhaps the reason why things become accurate in our lives when we look at astrological charts and stuff transits whatever is is maybe there's a young in thing going on like a collective unconscious that's kind of focusing the reality of it even more would you think i don't i don't know how it works um because it does this is a funny and particularly for natal charts if you get your natal chart done correctly um you sort of quickly realize there's something um there's something about this that works. And the first time I had yeah. Austin on my show, which was years ago, who was one of my first guests, and I sort of asked him, like, how do you think it works? Which he's been doing astrology for 20 years, so he must be kind of sick of hearing that. But whatever, he was new on my show. <laughs> right. um, yeah. And he said, um, a clock can tell the time, but it doesn't create the time. And so I don't know how astrology works. And as a chaos magician, to some extent, I don't care. Right. Yeah. Um, because... Uh, and and funnily enough, astrology in its own history has contained phases where it's done really dumb things, like try to explain how it works. And there was a moment uh, in about the third or fourth century when, as we were sort of moving into this out of a proper paganism into like a neoplatonic and soon to be monotheistic model, but in particular, this kind of like neoplatonic model, they're like, oh, look, it's clearly some sort of energies being beamed down from different planets uh, or different wanderers onto the surface that we live on, because obviously they didn't have a heliocentric model, but they're trying to sit and we got that again in the 20th century and people were trying to bring astrology back, going like, well, you know, now that we know that radiation exists or radio waves, we know that there is a, a light radiation that emits from Jupiter and lands on Earth. And that's just dumb. But it's the same kind of dumb. You just need to go like, I don't know how this works. The original understanding of astrology as to what it was in um, Babylonia, as far as we can tell, was as a system of omens. So it was a means that the gods would communicate to us things that were about to happen. So there was actually nothing in the planets themselves beaming down 
stuff that caused it. It was almost like a, a game of semaphore where the gods would tell us, well, particularly they would tell the king's priests what was about to happen, right? So it's 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 an omen-based system initially, and, and throughout it, sort of 2,500 years of what we would recognizably call astrology, a whole bunch of different... Uh, Attempts have been made to explain how it works, and the, uh, the psychological one and the sort of emanatory um, radiation one were the most popular in the 20th century. And I like the psychological one if you actually, well, you'd know this, if you haunt psychology, because, um, and people usually don't. In the 20th century, psychology kind of sat timidly in the corner while biology and material sciences said that the mind equals the brain and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's not true. And if you actually realize that, um, the brain is in the mind rather than the mind is in the brain uh, because probably everything is, if you want to call it mind, you know, whatever. Um, right. Then you can say then you can say astrology is psychological, but you can't say it if you think astrology, uh, if you think psychology is just stuff that goes on inside your skull because uh, that's, that's not correct, right? So it's funny, like inside astrology are numerous attempts to explain what's going on inside astrology and, and none of them, none of them really... Uh, None of them really cut the mustard. None of them, none of them are really there. Uh, none of them is satisfactory. I get what you're saying. And yeah, from a chaos magic point of view, the chaos magic, I mean, fundamentally is only concerned with what works, right? This works. This doesn't, yeah. right? Let's use this if it works. Not so much as to pretty much why it works. It just works, right? Um, yeah, so I would. that's correct. Um, I would just add it uses... Uh, it, it almost uses what works and what doesn't works as its um, one yardstick or its one divining rod to kind of find meaning. So uh, practically speaking, it only, it'll, it'll keep things that work. So you try out different methods of magic or whatever it happens to be, and you kind of build a system based on what works. But you're, you're using what does and doesn't work as a as a truffle hunting dog to find meaning, I guess. Uh, so there's, <laughs> yeah. there is a bit of it. It does, it does get kind of glib. Um, if you say, Oh, you just use whatever works. Cause there's, it doesn't, it, it misses the feedback mechanism that if you do, I think chaos magic correctly is in there, which is you accidentally end up on a meaning quest by seeking to avoid it and just going down a, a results route. Yeah. I don't know why I, I want to find the meaning in the thing. You know, I think I got caught up in correspondences from an early onset of studying this stuff. I was fascinated with like Lieber 777, the Tree of Life, and all the correspondences and the Sephiroth Sira. And they kind of put it all together in a way where you're like, oh, well, this makes sense, right? You know, biologically, chemically, psychologically, uh, on a universe level, everything has its place. Everything has its uh, kind of shelf that it belongs to. And I don't, you know, I'm starting to understand that, like you say, you know, um, it is fun to study about why it works and look into that but eventually you're going to go down a rabbit hole of where you're like okay i just know that it works you know like i know yeah so that it's uh, if you look at something like kabbalistic correspondence so kabbalah in general which is a, a medieval philosophy medieval jewish philosophy um that has this idea that the same kind of 10 emanations right so everything in the world in in creation is both composed of and almost like not necessarily under the dominion, but under the auspice of a particular emanation of God. Now, if you're interested in synchromysticism or synchronicity or the fact that certain images will recur 
in association with certain events and you get a lot of that and good you know you get a lot of that stuff in ufology and and what have you which is why um i had mike i was on mike clellan's show recently and he's the owl guy right yeah um, and so why do owls recur or, or are associated with contact events that we also call ufology and if you look at what a system of correspondences is it's a like astrology it's an attempt to solve those things it's like well why are these plants or why are these fish associated with love why does why do these things happen right at the same time or what are these connections so it's not again like astrology it's not that well 777 isn't correct but it's not that kabbalah or or traditional agrippin correspondences are true they are attempts to describe something true about the universe, which is some things go together, some form, and this is a real platonic or even shamanic thing. Some forms and spirits and things go together, and it's an attempt to build. It's an attempt to build a language out of it. My favorite one is what's called technical hermetica, which is essentially lists of, of fish and rocks and plants from the classical Mediterranean that are associated with. Um, different gods or different stars and there's something about it that if you squint at it it's true it's 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 saying it's fundamentally <laughs> right. it's saying that there is a there is a oneness to the universe right like this it all is in some sense one thing but within that one thing certain ideas or forms or um, concepts hang together and when they move through history they generate other things and so that that's what i mean like i i, I don't necessarily like um, the correspondence attitude. Yeah, the and, and, and yeah, I gotcha. Well, it's it's a personality type thing. We were talking about that um, during the break, right? It's a personality difference. I'm not I'm not that precise. I don't need things on the little shelves, right? But it doesn't mean that's wrong. It's a different. I I kind of come at the the fact that it's sort of all one thing and um, different parts within that one thing have associations that are not immediately obvious. I come at it from a more shamanic or, or psychedelic angle, but it's still an attempt to say that one thing, right? It's still an attempt to say that this stuff sort of hangs together somehow. And uh, and I, uh, people historically in magic, particularly in the last couple of centuries, have sort of missed the point there by trying to get all these different correspondence systems to interlock. So it's like, okay, well, once the Victorians invented slash found both happened chakras right in their imperial holdings of india and incorporated that into the sort of stuff that they'd glibly stolen from judaism and and christian kabbalah and stuck them every time they found a thing <laughs> they tried to feel okay so what sephiroth does this go under and what chakra and which of the elements and they which of the deck water to it right kind of so to speak well, just well, kept kept, it's almost was like they kept trying to plug in like a connectables or or additional shelves without realizing that the connection needs to happen at the step up. It needs to be that okay, so the the actual universal is that every culture around the world has a language of 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 saying that this stuff is all connected. Uh, and if you if you drop down to that and go, no, 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 they it is actually fundamentally in there. And so these ten sephiroth must or sephira must conform to the seven chakras and must conform to the 36 decans and and i am going to sit here with my tables and i'm going to get them all to work right um and i and that that attitude i don't i don't resonate with um i think it's more that you can look across culture and go everyone's trying everyone has a different way of saying this there is something to how this stuff hangs together there is a logic to a living universe 
Yeah. Very well said, man. Yeah. That's very well said. Thank you for explaining that, actually, because that's one of the things that has actually, that's been boggling me is why I'm so obsessed with those types of things. So why do I need to, I think what you're talking about when you were talking about squinting with the eye kind of saying, hey, there's, you know, there's something to you it. You know, right. This is the thing, you know, that, you know, there's something there. Like, that's why you keep assuming it. It's like, there's something there and I'm not getting it. And it's almost like squinting or the opposite. It's almost like a magic eye puzzle. Um, you got to kind of unfocus your eyes and look at all those correspondence tables and the actual kind of reality of it will come through. But then if you try to focus your eyes back to go, okay, what did I just see? You're just stuck with the shelves again, right? Um, and and it's you're pursuing it because you know, this is what I mean about chaos magic, right? It's not just that using things that work. You follow things that work, sniffing at them. Going, I know there's something to this. And, and that, I surmise, is why you're interested in um, correspondences because yeah. it's, it's it's saying something true, even if it isn't, even if these correspondences aren't true. I guess is that sort of makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And who better to explain that than Gordon White? You guys know I was going to ask the deep questions, anyways, right? When he gets on here, I got to. We'll be right back. More Gordon coming up. from metaphorical archaeology. If you've ever had a traumatic paranormal experience, the effects of it may stay with you for years. Uh, who do you talk to? You can't go to conventional help. What we do is we use emotional freedom techniques or tapping to actually neutralize the effects of that event. Maybe when you tell the story now, your heart races and your palms get sweaty, you don't even want to think about it because you don't know how to neutralize that. That's what EFT tapping does. It neutralizes those emotions. The circuit that that was recorded on is gone. The energy flows freely and you're free of it. And that's what emotional freedom is all about. We offer this as a pro bono service, but this is something that I offer because no one, it seems, is helping people with these experiences. If you'd like to reach me, it's really easy. My cell phone is 214-995-3754. Please leave a message. I will get back to you as quickly as possible. Or you can email me barb.eft at gmail.com and EFT stands for emotional freedom techniques reach out to me it's confidential this works you won't believe the results ew yuck they're unhealthy and gross bugs I hate bugs we keep a clean home but occasionally bugs show up well I found something that is tougher than bugs Orange Guard. From contact, it kills bugs. Plus, Orange Guard kills hidden bugs and keeps new bugs away for weeks. I know. 
I use Orange Guard. Plus, all of the ingredients of Orange Guard are on the FDA generally regarded as safe list. Orange Guard may be used around food, humans, and pets. It promotes a healthier planet, and here's a bonus. Orange Guard cleans where it's sprayed. Plus, it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Orange Guard. You can get Orange Guard at Ace Hardware. And listen, folks, Orange Guard is tougher than bugs, and it's safe to use. Go to OrangeGuard.com. That's OrangeGuard.com. Hey, I'm J.M. DeBoard, and when I want to talk about dreams, I look up my man Joe Root and his show, Lighting the Void. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Pair Abnormal News, I'm Brad Bernards. Scientists have identified an enigmatic virus whose genome seems to be almost entirely new to science. The so-called Yara virus, named after Yara, a water queen figure in Brazilian mythology, was recovered from Lake Pampulha, an artificial lake in the Brazilian city of Belo Horizonte. While Yara virus may be no supernatural siren, the virus could prove to be just as mysterious as the water nymph of legend. That's because the virus constitutes a a new lineage of amoebal virus with a puzzling origin and phylogeny. The research team explains in a new preprint paper about the discovery. Into the pair of normals, Jeremy Scott has some thoughts. Brad, what's most concerning to me is the fact that scientists say this virus has genes that they have never seen before. The fact that it was found in a body of water in Brazil means it could also be transferred through the water. Makes me wonder if this is some sort of bioweapon. We now know viruses are much more complex than was once believed, and in recent years, scientists have uncovered other kinds of viral forms that similarly challenge our thinking about how viruses can spread and function. China's Hubei province announced 242 new deaths from the novel coronavirus Thursday, twice as many as those on the previous day. New infections there jumped by more than 14,000. The spike in numbers is partly due to a broader definition of what constitutes a confirmed case to include people diagnosed on the basis of their symptoms rather than testing positive. On the northwest edge of NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center campus in Greenbelt, Maryland, thousands of computers hum in a deafening chorus of data crunching. These machines collectively are known as NASA's Discover Supercomputer, and they are tasked with running sophisticated climate models to predict Earth's future climate. But now they're also sussing out something much farther away, whether any of the more than 4,000 curiously weird planets beyond our solar system could support life. Here's Dr. Michael Way of NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies. We give it different kinds of atmospheres and see how the planet responds, the climate responds to that, because we really want the planet to be in, in what we call the habitable zone, where it would have liquid water on its surface. And so that's the game we play it. Read the news at ParaAbnormalRadio.com. I'm Brad Bernards, ParaAbnormal News. 
Okay, nurse, let's get this man to the ER stat. Right away, doctor. We see this every day. Heart attack or angina pain due to blocked and clogged arteries. Chelation can remove obstructions or blockages from arteries and help avoid painful and expensive surgery. Now there's Angioprim. It's a liquid oral chelation product that you take with juice. You start to feel the results fast. Angioprim increases blood flow all over the body, and that means more energy and strength to take on the day with less aches and pains. 60 years of research has gone into chelation, and Angioprim is the result. A safe and easy way to unblock your veins and arteries from buildup that slow circulation. Paging Dr. Jones, please report to the emergency room right away. Log on now to angioprim.com. That's A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M.com. Or to speak with a trained consultant, give Angioprim a call at 954-882-7221. That's 954-882-7221. This is Rev. Dan Lopez from Spiritual Warrior Today Radio, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. This is Al. I listen to Lighting the Void because it's interactive radio with good content, interesting guests, and a humble host. Shari's journey through the esoteric. Hey, Joe Roop. Thanks for having us along for the ride. Thank you so much for the delight, believe me. Well, I got a lot of ground to cover. Have you ever seen an ad or banner which brought you a feeling that someone is reading your mind or even listening to your conversations? Your online data is being used against you. Surfshark is a VPN service that makes online privacy protection easy and attainable. You can use it on as many devices as you'd like simultaneously. The VPN service that we use at UFO Seekers plus one month free for $1.99 a month. Visit surfshark.deals/seekers. We spend almost as much time online as sleep, and that's six to eight hours a day. The Internet knows a lot about us, and that's why we should care about our online data. Use Surfshark to encrypt your personal information and send it via a secure VPN tunnel so that no one can see it without your permission. Visit surfshark.deals/seekers. You need to protect yourself from surveillance and targeted advertising. Surfshark encrypts all Internet traffic sent to and from your devices and ensures that your IP address remains hidden. The VPN service that we use at UFO Seekers plus one month free for $1.99 a month. Visit surfshark.deals slash seekers. Gordon White is our guest tonight. RuneSoup.com is the website. You can check out the podcast as well on any podcast player. YouTube, it's pretty popular in uh, the occult world. Also, he's got a very popular blog at RuneSoup.com and membership area, which I'm also a member of. And, uh, you know, I was telling you, Gordon, during the break that uh, I came from a a Christian upbringing and then kind of got into Rosicrucian magic, so to speak. And um, and when I signed up, my first uh, experience with chaos magic was with you, you know. And when I signed up, I signed up and uh, I looked and I said, well, here's a course on the Goetia. And then... Uh, to the top right here's a course on the saints and it just threw me for a loop and that was like my first introduction to chaos magic where i could understand okay this is this is this is definitely different you know um and yeah. it was all about what works and you know the funny thing was trying to find the a pack of those cards is the especially the collection that you had was almost impossible 
and it, it, that's because the uh, stuff is so effective i think maybe right the um the jean noble uh tarot cards or do you mean the the actual the saints cards that were associated with the course yeah the saint the ones that were associated with the course along with all of the 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 waters that you had to go along with it was like trying oh, to get totally. all that together yeah, yeah, yeah. i was like man how did he manage to do that uh and it sold oh, out pretty years, quick years of practice it did it did and it, it's, it's years of kind of picking stuff up in in travels like i've been to holy sites all over the world and actually my mother has as well so the um the water from um the virgin mary's house and, and all that kind of stuff or the place that's associated with it that's a that's a much longer conversation right she picks up some of that so between us we have some we have you know uh we have some cool magical stuff right um and yes so that that did also that i thought you meant the noble cards associated with the tarot course because we accidentally sold them out i don't think they were expecting to be front row center for um for the course but uh, the reason it's it I have two reasons why the the membership is structured that way when it comes to the courses, because there's a bunch of other stuff there rather than just the courses, is that the members themselves vote on what it is we're going to do. So and I probably should do an intro video to tell people this, uh, because it does look – a lot of people come to something like that expecting, and especially if you've come from Rosicrucianism in the Golden Dawn, you're expecting this kind of 19th century school approach. Right. And I have many problems with that. Uh, and the first one is – um, it implies that we know everything about magic and it is simply a matter of baby stepping you through the grades and you get better and better each year and give you a little tick or an A plus or a gold star and, and you move on and then eventually you graduate and you go out into the world knowing everything about magic and fully operant in it. That's garbage. That kind of Hogwarts model is, it, it belongs in fiction in, in the negative sense. And, and we tried that. We gave that 200 years worth of effort and it didn't do anything. No, honestly, most uh, people don't go through kind of, it the way it's structured anyways. They, they really no, don't. No, but, but also it was, it was built by people who, um, you can't tell me that these sort of Englishmen, these English Freemasons, low-level ones too at that, in the 1880s knew everything about magic to the point that they could put a course together, um, like a system of grades that you essentially become more or less enlightened by the end of it. Like, come on, right? The backstory's um, weird, so, yeah. Yeah, so like how do we as a culture, and I mean magical culture, so how do we transmit information so that we either improve or our lives improve and i the, the word improve is itself a bit of a challenge like um and that's an issue with chaos magic when it says go towards what works and it's like well, what do you mean by works so like well it makes my life better what do you mean by better and then it turns out it means like well i want more money and you know i want a more attractive girlfriend and i want a bigger house and i'm like so when you say better you mean like more effectively living in capitalism and they're like oh shit i do <laughs> i don't think i mean that. yeah, yeah. Uh, and that and that that is a shortcoming I mentioned at the beginning of pieces of eight. But so one of the things that I wanted to do with the course is to make it about what what the membership wants to do. It's a much more horizontal experience. But I also think it's a better way of sharing magical tech and magical understanding because it's what people want to do, and it's a horizontal share. And we do group stuff together, and 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 it it just it is weird because I do get new members joining and emailing me going. Um, where's the part where I find out how to set up an altar? And I'm like, you are in the wrong, you're in the place, wrong website. <laughs> um, and because yeah. what are you setting up an altar to? What do you think an altar is going to do? How is that going to work? And it's, and it, it, they're new. So I, it's, I'm not yelling at anyone about this. So they're new. And I'm like, look, 
if you ask that question, what I hear is this entire background set of assumptions about how you think magic works and how you think the universe works. And and we simply do not know, much like astrology, we don't know how magic works and we don't know how the universe works. So what is the way of sharing optimization opportunities in a magical sense rather than like, oh, you, oh, you here's the bit about the altar. It needs to be one and a half feet by one foot and you need like a blue velvet cloth and you need two gold candles and, and off you go. You're a magician. It's like, wait a minute. It, it, and, and we've tried that. We've tried that for literally 160 years. And, and that's not the way I think. And it's, it's borne out because people, uh, different members, the whole point of it was to kind of get people to find the others and explore the stuff that they're interested in. And they go, right. we just got back from sacred land in, in New Zealand where we're sort of involved in um, water recovery and indigenous rights activism and all this kind of stuff as and, and doing journeying and, and tending activities. So we go on holidays together and, and people kind of like um, share business opportunities and we perform magic and intention for each other. So it's that is I'm just going to use the better word again, that is better than a kind of school that's loosely based on what people thought Freemasonry was in like the 1860s in London. The that, black that, girl system, if yeah. That, yeah, like if that had worked, it would have worked. But it didn't, and it doesn't. So I don't know if this one, I don't. by the way, I don't know if the RuneSoup membership model will work, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> Giving it our best shot. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. There would be proof of it. There should be proof of enlightened you know i guess enlightened humans that just spawned from this thing but really the backstory of the golden dawn has a rosicrucian backstory that goes way deep into germany and russia and stuff that you can't we really don't know what's going on there if you if you've done real research about it it gets kind of like where's all this come from steiner or what's going on here you know um and i don't i use i guess i use some of the stuff that's from it because it works for me but that, like I take what you've taught as that principle though. Like I know psychologically this works for me, but I'm also trying new things and understanding new things. Like, um, there's a pretty good book that I got the seven spheres. That's, I mean, it's simple. It's planetary magic. Uh, it explains things really well and it works for me too, for some reason. So, and when I saw on there that you guys were doing a new course about, um, money finances, kind of wealth and, not well i just want to say wealth because that's what it's really about was wealth, wealth and magic, how you define yes. wealth yeah. and you get into that and then you said look let's let's not just talk about this let's have some i came in so late too by the way but let's have some volunteers and i was like oh you mean all of gordon white's school is going to be watching this one person there's a higher chance yeah. of success here i need to get on <laughs> like i was like yeah. yeah let me jump in there but i was way too late and i i'm very yeah cool that's a very cool thing to do because chaos magic or at least what you're doing is you're willing to put things out there in an experimental scientific way and say let's see what happens you know yeah and i've actually recorded they're not up yet but i've recorded a couple of those conversations i think with three members so far um and i just have to say thanks to them for because I did say, it's called, I'm going to make an example of you. So I picked people who volunteered and we got people who are like approaching retirement and people who are just out of college and um, people who are struggling with uh, like a spouse or a child who has an illness or a chronic condition at home. And so I'm trying to have discussions with, because 
how you can't just you can't put on the Paris Hilton shirt like stop being poor and go here's your wealth course right because yeah. hang on a minute some people have chronic conditions or some people uh, some people are 25 some people are 61 uh, and so I've I've got people I'm making an example of people who are at different life phases and and it's really cool it's really good because you kind of you don't know what it is you want to focus on until you kind of see who's actually there in the membership and and it's it's fun it's uh, it's we, we have some good chats they'll be up they'll be up soon i think depending on when this is this show live joe yep sure is okay cool. so it'll, yeah so it'll be out this weekend is, is absolutely uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll this show will be up probably within the next few days yeah the the recorded Sweet. session will yeah so nice yeah i mean it's yeah i like live because I, th- I think it's just more intimate that way and uh built the show around oh, it totally it's a, good energy yeah 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 it's a much more it's a it's a real performance energy i i, I agree um yeah i mean i i have pre-recorded shows but i also do live ones and it, it's fun you, you definitely get a different vibe yeah for sure you know i mean you, you gotta think like we have mary ducina come on here and she's a, a decent psychic i love her you know and she's she blows the phones up right i always wondered i wonder what would happen if we brought Gordon White on here and Gordon said he was going to do readings for people, not, I don't think you'd ever do that, but you, I can imagine that the phones would probably break, you know, they probably, probably. would, they'd probably break right now <laughs> if you did that. So yeah, no, no, it's more of like, you know, getting to pick your brain live is a good thing because, uh, I'm a student of yours and there's only a few magicians out there that I study under, so to speak. Uh, but what I like about yours is, um, is that it's a really, it is a community thing with a lot of background and what I really like about you and what you've discussed quite a bit is that, and correct me if I'm wrong here because I may misinterpret this, but there's a real problem with uh, data versus interpretation. It could get a bit dangerous, yeah, totally. right? You know, like we need to, well, that's sort of that. what we're talking about, Joe. That's sort of what we're talking about with, uh, um, with astrology and, and with the, the different categorization systems around the world. They're, like the data are that, Things it sounds like a stone thought, but you can't get more precise than this. Certain things hang together in the universe, and other things don't, right? Uh, and so that those are the data. The interpretation is like therefore Kabbalah or um, therefore um, Ayurveda, if you're talking about India or something like. Therefore, these are these are categorizations, and it doesn't mean they're wrong. It means they're they're. Um, they're, holding they're a way of understanding. Right. They're a way of understanding the data. Yeah. So, so when we interpret something, we we I guess a problem that what we do is it's good to understand it, but don't make it a what you're saying. I guess is don't make it a fundamental law inside your mind. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's there's, there's a there's a permanent sort of like postmodern fluidity to chaos magic uh, that um, I I came with that to chaos magic um but yeah there's a certain postmodern fluidity that i find that some people personality wise find very frustrating and it's cool like you know you know go get your life right um if you do need a sort of more permanent or unchanging map of reality go for it i i thrive in in um in collecting epistemologies i guess you know what i find fascinating about that is that when we look at things like the kabbalah or the tree of life the flower of life I believe that there are people that are doing things good, but not, I don't think from a magical point of view, but more like 
hey, this is how maybe our reality is structured from a dimensional point of view, like Nassim Haramay and stuff. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that because they're taking figures like uh, things that are in these books, like the dodecagons and all of these different shapes, and now saying, well, scientifically, we can prove that this is in our reality. Uh, we're doing it in so many different ways with sound and stuff like that. I think that's actually a good thing. I think that's progress as far as trying to figure out how things work if you care about the, that type of thing. What are, what are your thoughts on that? No, sure. So we, I would consider them uh, early cornerstones of a science of the dominance of witchcraft, right? So if you if you think about Nassim Harriman's stuff, it's essentially Platonism, but for the 20th and now 21st century, because it's, it's saying that there are forms that structure reality. And... Again, if you squint at it, that's kind of true because you, you can get versions of that in Amazonia or Aboriginal Australia where it's essentially uh, it, to say that everything has a dreaming. So windscreen wipers have a dreaming, not just um, Uluru or um, or the ocean or what have you, right? Everything has a dreaming is to say that it has an interior or invisible or non-visible part that essentially powers it or structures it. And, and if you look at the... Um, the kind of quest for sacred geometry and sacred, ge- you know, I'll leave it at geometry, um, magical shapes in, in things like Nassim Harriman's work. Yes, um, it, it's a different way of saying Platonism. Uh, it's just a question of, and it's, a, it's an epistemological and thus philosophical question. Do you think how he validates truth, and by that I mean Nassim Harriman as a physicist, how he validates truth will ultimately lead to, like, the correct truth. Um, Doesn't mean he's wrong, but do you think that if he was to live for 500 years, he would eventually work out a accurate view of the universe? And that's the thing that happens in the dominant of witchcraft, because you think, well, no. And I'm like, okay, then what's going on? What you need is a model of truth validation, or you need an epistemology that allows for multiple epistemologies to, I guess, have their flow. Uh, and that's why I like animism, right? Because it, if you drop it down to that level of how we know the things we know, um, you're, you're playing a much more powerful game, I think. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. So as that relates to things uh, like you were talking about on your website, you, it's a title where you did a video and you did a a discussion or more like a lecture to the class about you know are we the aliens here and you started discussing all of the little different things in our lives that we don't really look at um whether it's small form bacteria or things in space or even like animals in the ocean that we don't realize are completely insane when it's like it's something that would come out of uh you know i don't i don't know uh, a lovecraft well they book it did come out of space by the, like, I think that's the best description. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it, it's a fundamental question. Do you think the earth is an open system or a closed system? And people go, Oh, open. Okay. Well, sit with the implications of that. Right. Um, we have never been able to even when every time, every couple of months you get an article or, uh, that comes through Fizzorg or, um, Eureka alert or any of those kind of like science press release places that says, um, 
oh, life began uh, in an undersea volcano or it began whatever. And, and you click on the end and you're going, here we go. And it's some graduate student or PhD candidate has made like a computer game model of what they think a 200 million year old volcano was like. And in their computer game, these two little proteins have joined. And I'm like, okay, so you haven't yet. So once again, we're back to all life comes from life. We have never been able to create life from non-life, and yet we are surrounded by it. And so the and this is a Dawkins. Dawkins itself said that, like you know, directed panspermia is 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 the best example. But people seem to think directed panspermia means like a one-off impact of some squishy or dirty rock uh, onto planet Earth. But actually, every time we send out uh, countries other than the U.S., and it presumably happens to the U.S., but you guys don't talk about space, but if you go to India or China or um, the Soviets or anyone who puts up these sort of high-altitude balloons, they come down filthy like a gymnasium, like gymnasium <laughs> shower, like yeah. the, the, the stuff that you can get. And, and people say, well, that's upper atmosphere microbes is it prove it because this stuff can survive in space and and you look and this is how we think stuff happens so mm. it may well be that um i think it's happening on a continuous basis because tons of material lands on the planet every day that's the other thing um dozens and dozens and dozens of tons of essentially dust and smaller hits the earth hits our atmosphere every day and so you're telling me once one time a squishy rock landed or are we sort of moving through a soup of viruses and and frozen microbes and other things and and the story of evolution on this planet is also the story of introgressions into like our different genetic codes at different points in time from elsewhere in the galaxy i mean why not my favorite example of course is the octopus which makes no sense in the, in the um, evolutionary record um i i will I, I, I don't just think an oct the octopus is an alien. I think it will replace humans uh, eventually. As the they next are pretty smart, life, too. Yeah, I oh, mean, they're crazy. They are, yeah. The and videos I've watched of them when they get on a boat and how they can... Oh, man, it's just creepy. They're so massive yeah, yeah, yeah. as far as the mass of it, but it can go and like the sliver of the smallest slit and put its whole body through it, you know, and it's the creepiest thing I've ever seen. And yet it's almost like a moving and brain, you know. Well, it is, and they have a complete language of different lights, sort of like the ending last few minutes of Close Encounters, so they can talk to each other in different lights and camouflage. But the the um, all the things that make the octopus different from the squid on a genetic level have no precedent in on the planet. So the octopus is a kind of squid with a bunch of extra exciting, crazy DNA that allows it to do all these things and have a language and and unlock doors and 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 what have you. So where did that come from? Like, it's nowhere else on the planet, and it's almost as if someone just sort of... Uh, it was probably retroviral, um, but like an alien retrovirus jumping into a squid uh, or, <laughs> or rolling into a squid, and all of a sudden we get it, because the, the viruses can survive in space, and we can't find the code that does all the crazy octopus things anywhere else on the planet, and it doesn't need to come from that. No, you're right, man. I mean, seriously, if we look at all of this stuff, you're right. Uh, look, if you look at Oumuamua, the radio blasts that keep happening, the fact that there's galaxies disappearing, and they're like, where, where, the galaxy was just there, where did it go? Like, if that stuff yeah. is real, if what they're saying is real, I assume it is, there's so many crazy anomalies that are happening in space. There's so many new species they're finding in the ocean, not to mention what you're talking about when we really take a deeper dive and look at it. Then then what are, what are we then, right? Are we the aliens? Exactly. You see? Exactly. 
that's not just a popular no, I, fad to talk about now that's like a real consideration like it needs that, to be academically looked best, at it's honestly it's the best um and I'm, I'm happy for it to to eventually be overturned but that's the best re or best explanation for this this quantum jump into octopus but also it's it's clearly and it's generally accepted but people don't like the implications of it it's also the best description for where all life on earth eventually initially came from and if you if it happens once it can happen hundreds of times a day and probably does maybe not that many times who knows but if it happened once well why just the once? And then you say, oh, I've never thought about that. And then you go, well, then all of a sudden we're in this uh, a different way of understanding jumps in complexity, not just the octopus, it's just my favorite example of it, right? But jumps in complexities and, and the sort of the unevenness of strange things in, in genetic codes of different organisms around the planet. Because you think, well, where did that come from? If we can't find it anywhere else, there's only one place we haven't looked. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, man. I once again, how can I, that's hard to argue with you. You know, you're really good at that guy that the one guy that is so damn hard to argue with is Gordon White. That's for sure. Guys, go that's check out the website, know. grab the books. I'm serious. Join the membership site. Join it with me. We'll be right back. A little bit more coming up. I'll get to your questions as well. not very good with our health regiment until it's too late. We don't put oil in the car until the engine blows up. When the body's out of balance, your health is not so good. Give your body some love. Log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Try our Life Change Tea, which cleanses you from harmful intruders. A clean colon is one of the ways to bring the body in balance. We also carry organic supplements to help you get where you need to go. So do your body a favor. Log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. You can even visit our sales page to save some dough. Uh, does anybody call money dough anymore? Anyway, if you're looking for short, helpful health tips, go to YouTube and punch in Health Matters Now. That's Health Matters Now. So log on to GetTheTea.com, shop, get balanced, then learn some cool tips at Health Matters Now. You'll be glad you did. That's GetTheTea.com. So you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on 24-7 with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Hey, is that a new music app? Yeah, check it out. Surfer Music Discovery. It links to thousands of online stations, but the twist is you see the song names and artists that are now playing live. That's different. No guessing. Looks like a waterfall of music. So many formats. Rock, oldies, country, R&B, jazz, and a whole lot more. How's that spelled? Surfer. S-U-R-F-R. Is it expensive? It's free. No need to sign up or sign in. Get the Surfer Music app free from Google Play or the App Store. 
Do you want to know the truth? Are UFOs real? Are aliens visiting Earth? Are governments around the world hiding the biggest secret in history? We're UFO Seekers, official partner of The Fringe FM, and we're on a hunt for the truth. Join us as we investigate locations like Area 51 by subscribing on YouTube at youtube.com slash UFO Seekers. Hey, Fringe FM listeners, did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or no Wi-Fi available, you can still listen to every minute of the Fringe FM by calling 701-719-3971. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. Saves your data plan and no extra cost if you have unlimited minutes. Call 701-719-3971. That's 701-719-3971. Listen to the Fringe FM on any phone, anytime, anywhere. We all have that story to tell in our lives. The winds were howling. The ground shook. You could hear rushing water. And then history repeats itself. When there's no power, refrigeration fails. Stores with their shelves stripped bare. ATMs can't operate. Deliveries stop. Then what? These events can last days or weeks. You need a plan. In statements made during recent interviews, FEMA Administrator Brock Long has repeatedly urged all Americans to understand three truths. FEMA is broke. The system is broken. If this is the new normal, Americans can't rely on federal cavalry when disaster strikes. Don't get caught out in the elements empty-handed. Prepare with us by going to preparewiththefringe.com and get your two-week food supply, 92 servings, eight food varieties with 25-year shelf life, normally $137, now only $75. Or get a month's supply, normally $247, now only $147 shipped in one business day. Just go to preparewiththefringe.com or call 888-440-7931. That's 888-440-7931. Give this great offer and be prepared while it lasts. Folks, this is very important information. What's to be said about CBD? Ancientlifeoil.com. Our CBD is made from hemp and has 0.003 THC, which means this wonderful product won't get you high. No matter what amount you take. What does CBD do for the body? My hands are tied. But you can Google CBD benefits and be astounded. When you're finished reading, you'll want to log on to ancientlifeoil.com. That's ancientlifeoil.com and purchase. Life is good when you feel good. People are tired of pain. People are asking for non-GMO organic products to help them with... (laughs) You fill in the blank. Legal in 49 states, and again, our CBD is made from hemp. Ancient Life Oil is about helping people one by one by one. If you wonder how good the product is, the CEO takes it every day without miss. AncientLifeOil.com. That's AncientLifeOil.com. Have a great day. to Lighting the Void. The call-in number is 1-800-588-0335. If you would like to text, you can text in at 501-777-5631. We've went all around the world with Gordon White tonight, so I have got one last thing. I'm going to get really nerdy with you, and I hope you don't mind this, uh, Gordon. Uh, by the way, the, the website's runesoup.com. Go check it out. Come be a member with me. Come talk in the forums. Come hang out. Right away, I, 
I know some of you are in there. If you're in there, if you're in Gordon's uh, membership, like, please hit me up so we can kind of work together with it, you know, because I like to collaborate with my listeners on certain things too. Um, but I'm going to get really nerdy with you if you don't mind. Um, here's the Good thing. Point. I One of my favorite books really when I grew up, it's the only, actually the only book that I read all the way through was The Hobbit. And I fell in love with J.R.R. Tolkien when I was 12 years old, 11 or 12. I remember I got put in timeout and I was like, okay, now what am I going to do? And I read a book and I read The Hobbit and I fell in love with it. And he had a way of uh, creating languages. And I just got through watching the film they made about him where I started picking up on this thing like where everybody's fascinated with Tolkien, right? Everybody's got their theories about what's going on with him. But do you think like perhaps just strictly via art and passion and his knowledge that he did create something magically just because he created entire languages that were structured better than some of the languages that we have today. And I feel like that created his success, but not only did it create his success, it created something magical for the rest of us, especially when it comes to things like active imagination, you know, uh, I don't think he created it. I think he found it. And he would have said the same thing. In fact, he did say the same thing repeatedly in his letters and, and, and so on, right? So what is what is talk, so about the, incredible... The, the language he got from Finnish that was like he borrowed from Finnish or well, whatever? his whole... So Middle Earth is something he found. Um, and so when he was looking for... When it was different words or different kind of like tenses for one of the elvish languages or whatever, he would say things like, I have to go and find out. Um, and it was it, his process was he felt one of discovery or uncovery. And that's why he has this idea of this notion of fairy as this place. And the trouble is you never know because he's a good Catholic boy what he's talking about here. But what Tolkien why Tolkien kind of is an irritant that creates a pearl in people's heads. Like what is, what happened with, because sure. you read particularly Lord of the Rings, like this is real. How is this real? I don't know how this is. Somebody explained to me how this is real. And it's because it is. And, and what Tolkien is useful for uh, is making you question, because you just use those words, um, Joe, do you think he created something we can use for active imagination? Well, how do you create something? Tolkien is the the perfect kind of like example or study case of asking yourself what you think the imaginal is and where it is and whether it's inside your head or whether you make up all the thoughts that are in your head. Because it isn't just him. You had other, I mean, Jung being a very good example, but even fellow inklings like Owen Barfield, we'll use Jung, right? So when Jung's creating his red book and doing this active imagination process, he was talking to things in his mind that says, um, you think you created us like we predated you you're just yeah. you're in your mind the the mind as in the the collective unconscious in his case but i call it the imaginal i think is identical to the spirit world and i think we're in it um it's not in us and in fact that was jung's definition of gnosis it was a true understanding of the psyche which is to say that and a true understanding of the psyche is that it is much older than a human um so you are in your psyche it's not in you turn that around and look at um tolkien uh, and maybe he wouldn't have had the language for that for a bunch of reasons, one of them being he's 
you know, he was a practicing Catholic his whole life. So hanging out in fairyland is is problematic. But as a result of that, and I had um, Dr. Becca Tarnas, whom I love, and she she's wrote um, yeah. Journey into Middle-Earth, I believe it's called, which is a, essentially a companion book to go along with the reading of The Lord of the Rings. And if you haven't done it, or even if you have, you will read it very differently after um, going along with Becca's book. But as she points out, he has this notion of sub-creation. So, and it's in Middle-Earth, but it's in Middle-Earth because I think he thought it was in reality. So God is the creator, and God can create things that sub-create. And so a sub-creation is a different kind of holy because it is made by a... Um, it is created by something that the creator created, if that if that tracks. So that the imagination and Middle Earth is a kind of real, even in his Catholicism, that is it's certain it's like non-physical. Um so it's in the imaginal, but that doesn't make it real. It doesn't make it false. Like this is this is a pernicious idea that um Westerners have got in the last three centuries that um, if it's in your head, it's not real, and it's some kind of fantasy. No other culture anywhere or anywhere was that stupid, including our own, up until about three centuries ago. Uh, and so Tolkien is kind of, he's experiencing it. Like So he's essentially going to Middle Earth and bringing back stories. And, and it's if you are a, a proper Tolkien nerd and you know it did begin with a couple of places. It began with some some of the languages that he created as a kid. You are just referencing the movie. And it began with, you know, uh, In a Hole There Lived a Hobbit. Um, yeah, which he right. just scribbled on the back of an exam thing. So like a true sort of spirit contact, it sort of came in these weird bits. And once you focus on them, the signal kind of intensifies and you get a little bit more and, 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 and so on. But if you look at the sort of origins of it, it actually began with a sort of cosmic mariner um, aerial that he changed a couple of times and it was almost like this light that brings people to another land was the beginning of it for him. And, and the, the opportunities to kind of view Tolkien as a, a study of, on a personal level, because I mean, I can, I can attempt to convince you, but like, on a personal level, Tolkien is the, is the creator that you want to use to go, well, what do I think the imagination is? Where do I think it is? And what's our relationship to it? Because there's something, even in the, you get it in the films, um, but if you read Lord of the Rings, it's real. How is it real? <laughs> and that started me on that kind of question. He, I'll be forever grateful. I mean, I, I'm i always at some point in my life, well, wherever I am in my life, I'm always at some stage of reading one of his books. It's usually Lord of the Rings. I'm kind of perpetually reading it, right? And uh, and that's good. And And I'm very grateful for him to have been the thing that – I've been to his grave multiple times. Like, I'm serious about being a Tolkien nerd, right? Um I'm very grateful. Oh, I can tell, man. Like, I had Becca Tarnas on the show, and you're the only one that oh, convinces me more than her. Like, I think you're more of a nerd than she is, actually, <laughs> about it. <laughs> I don't well, know. No, Y'all are pretty she's, close. She's got, the, she's got the skills I don't have. She's got the actual nerd skills. She's read all the kind of lost tales and letters and, and all that stuff, which uh, I'm I'm not that good. Yeah, but it's you're right. I mean, look, I, I can confess I'm not the Tolkien, like, I'm not a full-blown Tolkien nerd but I will say that you know how when you take psychedelics that it it kind of changes you especially when you take psychedelics for the first time you know you're like I'm not the same person it does that kind of thing it did that kind of thing to me anyways in my life well that's that's a really good analogy Joe reading Tolkien did that to me it, it yeah. changed me and uh you're right I, I kept thinking the whole time I was reading the books um, I couldn't wait to read The Fellowship of the Ring when I got done with The Hobbit and go through that trilogy. 
that's what I was thinking. I was like, this is real that this, there's something real about this. There's something extraordinary real about it. And we've actually been reading the red book and everybody knows this, like on Friday, sometimes we'll get into the red book, which is incredibly hard to do on radio, but it's still kind of fun. Yeah, and true. we get into character <laughs> and stuff and listening to young talk to these characters that he's coming in against saying, you're not real. This doesn't make sense. I mean, you do you not want me to think? And, and you know, the characters are saying, what do you mean? I'm, we're a lot more real than you think, buddy. You know, yeah. uh, it's and pretty that, freaky. That, it is. And, and you, and that sense doesn't go away. And it, it, um, and I think everyone, everyone needs to adopt a, a position. I don't necessarily care what it is on what they think the imaginal is and where it is. And if you're in it or it's in you, uh, because it changes your life tastes better once you kind of realize you're in the imaginal and it's not necessarily I mean, it is in you, but you're in it as well, because all of a sudden story and what I was talking about before with uh, Kabbalah and whatever being attempts at at synchromysticism or attempts at trying to get at this, which is like, why? Why do my interior thoughts, why am I thinking of a thing and then a particular bird comes by? And you have this sense of right. it being the same event, right? And that's this that's the same language that's there. And it's like, how is this real? How is this? And 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 it's you get you get to go in that quest if you take Tolkien seriously. And and the, the psychedelic analogy is is very good, Joe, because that's exactly you aren't the same if you read Tolkien um correctly and if you are the same afterwards then i can give you ursula Le Guin's line which is that the people who don't believe in dragons are often eaten by dragons from the inside <laughs> and um and if you and if you aren't changed by tolkien i there is no hope for you uh, you will be eaten by a dragon from the inside well you gotta understand and the reason why i bring that up is i was very structural uh about magic and uh the out-of-body experience as you know like from the first time i talked to you where after I talked to you, I was like, Man, I got to go look at I got to go sign up. I got to check this out. And going through the journey in session, learning about the Red Book, uh, getting involved with that, it really showed me that this thing that we call magic uh, isn't really what we think it is. And I don't know. I can't explain what it is either. But if we can no. just tap into what the imagination is and realize, like you're saying, that, hey, are we living out a story so to speak kind of thing and then you use the fundamental tools that you talk about in your course which everybody needs to go take it because it's really extensive you can use these things to change your life your mind and not just that but enjoy life better you know that's it it makes everything taste better right like when you when you're at when you have adopted a, a, a satisfactory position towards the imaginal your life just tastes better. You don't even need to be doing magic. It's you're just in magic. Like you're in you're in a, this this imaginal thing, and and that's uh, that's the prize because there's a lot of like hard work and and hard thinking involved. Uh, but there's a sort of prize which is you your world reenchants. Yeah, like imagine you know everybody's like, oh, I got this problem, you know, with and I'm just using an example, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I've got this problem with an event that happened in my childhood that's really kind of messing me over and da 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 Well, why not use that and create characters and go down there and battle it yourself? Does it make you exactly. angry? Don't you want to fight it? Go fight it for real, you know, and yeah. see what happens, right? That was, I mean, that was the, that's how people before we invented psychology and, 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 and I liked it, psychology and all that kind of stuff. Right. But we did, we sort of had to invent those things because we, we got stuck with a theory of mind 
that was um, deeply toxic, which is that it's in your head and it's a delusion and you just need to get over things. And it's not that. Like if you, you can go anywhere else and people – uh, you can go to the Amazon and people take their dreams very seriously. They co-sleep and they have a whole method of understanding how what hap- how you understand things that happen in dream when you're in the waking world and vice versa. And it's this whole language of metaphor. And same thing with um, Aboriginal Australia and wherever. Everyone else who's been doing this for longer has a much better understanding of it than us. And Jung is this sort of, I think he was the greatest sorcerer of the last thousand years in the West. I think he was just like magic's jesus in a way because uh, from nothing he essentially recovered a a true and medicinal model for how we can if we do it like interact with the imaginal towards healing oh yeah and think about you know my upbringing was nothing compared to his the christian world that he grew up in was entirely different i mean you could see yeah, like, when you read the read the red book and and I know they're going to be publishing or republishing the black books, I think, in 2020. I don't know if, if that's true or this not. This is what I hear, yes. And Some of them, I think. I, yeah. Yeah, it's like um, <clears throat> he brought that up quite a bit. I mean, it was it's something that plagued his mind when he kept meeting these entities or characters. Um, he would bring – they were a lot of them were based biblically, you know, but still the things that he was learning about is is – and I'm still learning about. I, there's no way I could. Sure. It, I'll probably have to read this a hundred times to even think that I could possibly be an expert on it. But what I do know is, is that it's helping me to deal with things instead of possibly. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with medication, but maybe I could take an entheogen, or maybe I could take an entheogen and later, you know, do a few sessions of active imagination and actually cure something without having to take I don't know a Paxil or something that really hurts me. You know. Absolutely. And I think this is, that is the psychology of the dominant of wider inclusions. I think maybe not in our lifetimes, Joe, but by the end of this, well, hang on, I don't know how long I intend to live, but by the end of this century, um, like this sort of the low dose psychedelics and, and psychedelics for people who are terminal and, and MDMA for PTSD and whatever, it's just in that kind of like, you have to get permission from the FDA, but it's in trials. And we, you know that it's going to end up in the next decade or so in practice and and after that is it, it can move back out into or sort of horizontalize out into culture we will we will be able to assert sovereignty over these processes that probably shouldn't have been taken away from us in the beginning but i'm really excited and i agree like you can get fixed and i mean fixed with i i treat my i don't have depression anymore and i haven't for years because i make sure at least once every third of a year i do psilocybin uh, and I, I used to get it quite bad and now I do not get it at all. <laughs> so it, rather than being in this sort of long-term state of being unwell, and again, same thing, like mental illness, serious issue, caveat, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm not, please don't throw away your medications or whatever. Um, but I'm saying that around the world, there are ways of, that we are just recovering and, and a key part of it is to take the imaginal seriously, seriously, but there are ways of actually potentially being cured of things like PTSD and, and depression and so on. Because And that, t- that tells you something very alarming about the medical models we use to describe them as a, as a brain chemical dysfunction or something, because it doesn't it, – they wouldn't be cures if that was the case. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that, man. I just wanted to tell you that because uh, – I think people may wonder why I'm doing certain things and they don't know that a lot of it 
is inspired. I just didn't randomly say, you know what, on Open Lines Friday night, we're going to read sections out of the Red Book just because I feel like it. No, I got that from somewhere. I got that from Gordon because I learned the power of it, you know, a lot of things. Uh, you know, I just want to give credit where credit's due, actually. That's what I want to do because well, I believe you. in that. Um, well, and I think you're much. doing good things, man, regardless of uh, what all the fights are out there about morality and politically or whatever. Um, you're empowering people to change uh, their own lives, their own communities, and that's always a good thing in my book. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, you're very welcome. Don't mind saying it at all. So I was going to check the text line here, and uh, I got a question here on the text line that, of course, I have to ask about this, and this will I'm not only going to ask this once from Gordon White, but um, how – and I – night stalker get ready because here it comes how deep do you feel or do you have any knowledge of that the occult is and you probably have had this question a million times is in the deep state so to speak because this is what the conspiracy people want to know what do they know yes sure again um and we were sort of talking about it at the beginning um it it depends on how you think magic works right because advertising will influence your mind and if we if you're in mind rather than it's in you then from it's almost like a and this is amusing for conspiracies right it's almost like a pyramid or a, a food pyramid so in the baseline it's things like the use of imagery and the use of flags and the use of terror and so on having a material impact on a human population and as you move sort of further up i know people want to say like well they want to know if, uh, if Trump has a, a, a goetic magician or something in that sense. Right, right. exactly. Um, what you can definitely see over the history of the Cold War is because this stuff is real, uh, it's almost the obligation of intelligence agencies and militaries to be across it or have an opinion of it. And that is deep, right? So you have Holy Roman emperors whose advisors were um, traffic, like Henry III, I believe. So we're talking 10th century. He had advisors who, we don't know which grimoires they were using, but they would take, this sounds dodgier than it is, although it's still dodgy, small boys out into the woods and kind of bury them up to their necks and um, run all this like incense around them and summon demons that only the, the boy could see and, and traffic with them. So that's a Holy Roman Emperor, right? And obviously, famously, Queen Elizabeth I um, has John Dee and, and other magicians. And, and So because it works and can potentially provide an example, uh, uh, an advantage, power is interested in it. And in the Cold War, there's a bunch of them. There's the telepathy experiments. There's remote viewing. There's um, weird things associated with the sort of Roswell fallout where... Um, People were reading Crowley's stuff and 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 kind of going, well, there, he had this lamb thing going on, and it was so. It's as far as I can tell, there isn't anything coherently like a cabal of um, a particular kind of ma magician that's kind of like running the FBI or anything. It's not necessarily that. It's it's more piecemeal, and 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 it's there, which is people were doing things like seeing if you could use during the Cold War, seeing if you could use Ouija boards to debrief dead CIA agents and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's there's a, a an awareness that it's real, and that has influenced, like, tactics and experimental programs. As for quite how far, well, that gets interesting. That's, who even knows? Because somewhere in the edges of the mind control and UFO and radar worlds, they were aware that you could do things with frequencies or there are um, 
there are basically entities that are frequencies. I mean, arguably we all are, right? Like, but sure. there's something in this kind of weird overlap world where um, some kind of communication event or whatever happened. And the thing is, people don't realize. So we know we have kind of like documentary evidence of this that's sort of now 60 to 60 years old. Um, if you have, and this is a Catherine Fitz thing, if you have unlimited money and you can kill with impunity, like if you give me unlimited money and and I can kill whoever I want and get away with it, I guarantee you I will find you a way to talk to aliens. Like it's just a matter of putting in the time. If I have unlimited resources, I will get, I will abduct the smartest physicist or whatever I need to in the world and be like, right, if you don't do this, I'm killing your wives. Um, I can do that. And that's essentially when you look at the, these various CIA or Cold War programs, that's what they had. They had unlimited money and they could kill whoever they want. So as to how much that stuff is there tactically, who even knows now or where that went after the Church Commission and, and, and all the rest of it? Who even knows? As for the kind of more Alex Jonesy question of is, is Washington run by, I don't know, Satanists? Uh, not as far as I can tell. Put it that way. I, I, there is no coherent occultism in the deep state, but but it's certainly there tactically because at different points in time, different people have known it works. Yeah, and if you look at fundamental Satanism, it's pretty much a, a lot of it, anyways, is elitism. I think a lot of times they're putting that together. You know, like yeah, exactly. uh, conditional and, and love, that's, elitism. That's that must be evil. You know. That's that's classic for the English too, because what tends to happen if you go to the sort of well, public school is like a private school there, right? So, um, but if you're a public school boy, you get the same kind of like, you read the same books and you read the same romantics, and you think you're a bit of a rebel. So you're like, well, it's like 19th century artists, like, well, I'm a rebel, so I'm Luciferian, like, you know, because God is all about obeying the rules, and I don't, and I think a lot of that gets um, missing because that's just dumb rich boy stuff, right? Like, I think yeah. a lot of that gets misinterpreted particularly as the conspiracy world is people who more often than not have come from that churchianity that kind of what they might think of as christianity but was in fact child abuse like the horrible um really toxic mega church environment they may or may not have grown up in which says nothing about christianity as a genuine spiritual path but as if people haven't done the work on that they have some very stringent inherited opinions about what satan is and 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 whatever so there's there's a whole mess of stuff clearly um magic in my definition of it was used we have documentary evidence for repeatedly in multiple programs during the cold war and i don't know where that is now because how how would i know that <laughs> right yeah yeah well, thank you for answering that question. I know you've probably been asked that a million times, but now at least some of you guys got a starting point from a real, you know, practicing magician that's actually looked into this stuff. And Gordon, yeah, man, thanks for coming on the show. It's been a real blast having you on here and like learning from you and getting to speak with you, man. Yeah, absolutely. Fun times. Thanks for inviting me back. Yeah.